Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo or personality. Eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another Malibu episode for everybody. Got myself Pete and got another guest on the show to help us walk through the Rezzer faction. So this time I went on down to Georgia and I was looking for a soul to steal. Ended up finding Brandon Lynch and he's going to help us figure out what the deal is. What's going on, Brandon? Not much. Just... Uh getting back into the flow finally back into work glad to be working again that's for sure yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's kind of the thing things are kind of opening back up and figuring out the best way to kind of do everything and it kind of fits with what we're talking about today because we got those dirty dirty resers we're going to be talking about yep one of my favorite factions in the game so was is resers the first faction you jumped into for malifaux because i know you also dabble in 10 thunders uh, it was actually the second faction. I started off in um, Arcanists. I was playing them. And uh, the first tournament that I won, I got the Dayglow set for Karai. And then the next yeah. tournament I won, I got the uh, Translucent Mindless Zombies. So I'm like, huh, I see a uh, pattern here. Let me go and try out some Rezzers. Yeah, and Rezzers are kind of interesting. I, I definitely was interested in them because I played Jack Daw and I really like the way Jack Daw plays. Uh, I think one of the reasons I didn't get into the Rezzer faction though, was just because I've done the undead faction before and I just wanted something different in this game. Not saying I won't jump to them eventually, uh, but they, they got a lot of cool like undead models, zombie models, and and then they have some sprinkles of weird things we'll talk about. So uh, before we get into actual keywords and stuff, just kind of re- refreshing everybody's memory, looking at these faction kind of overviews, the goal is to kind of give a general idea of what the faction's all about, go into some of the background, what are they doing in the actual world. We'll start off with the versatile models, and then we'll actually get into each keyword and what we like or what we don't like about them. This faction I actually don't know a lot about because I feel for some reason, maybe it's because that's where the power is right now, that a lot of the talk is going towards Arcanists and like 10 Thunders and, and Outcasts. So I, I'm happy to definitely talk about this faction and get it out second. Uh, I had to do Bayou first because I've just been loving the hell out of Bayou. But <laughs> Bayou is an interesting faction. Oh, they are. And I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. But uh, Brandon, let's go to get started off. So in the background of Malifaux, what are the resers doing? What are kind of what's their deal? What are they trying to accomplish in the world? How do they get around? Well, they're uh, as you know, they are the necromancers. They study the dark arts, drawn power off of the uh, the grave spirit, and they each of them kind of have their own agendas in the world. It's a pretty good mix. They got serial killers, Seamus, the Irish Jack the Ripper. 
Well, from what I've kind of heard from a lot of the fluff and that I've read and listened to on the Breachside broadcast, it, it's kind of weird because they're almost they're almost double they're living double lives almost right because you have people like Mick Morning and then you have um, you have Von Stuck and you have all these people and Seamus who they look like normal people in in the uh, Malifo society, but then. After it splits away from like the guild leaving or something, uh, then it shows like their dark intentions. They start working on reanimating of bodies. I think it was McMorning that reanimated Molly, if I'm not mistaken, too. So uh, that was actually uh, Seamus that did that one. Okay, it was Seamus. Yeah. And that's kind of the interesting part of the background for the resers for me is just that double life. You know, they're they're trying to look normal, but then they have their like hidden agenda that they're working on. Um reanimating life, uh, switching life, uh, transforming it into stuff, sacrificing to, uh, get one of the, uh, old gods like living again. So it's just, it's a, I think the resers were actually, if I'm not mistaken, responsible for the first incident that happened in Malifo. So they're definitely an interesting background. Yeah. I don't know if they were directly involved. I know Jack Dahl was involved in the original closing of the breach and that was his kind mm-hmm. of backstory where he was just a, a petty thief in Malifaux and he was betrayed by Zareda and they used his soul and body to close the breach, the first yeah. breach. Yeah, and there's a lot of, it's just kind of interesting in the background because it, a lot of the Rezzer stuff, you you start seeing how they go to the Rezzer side and a lot of the henchmen that get mentioned, uh, Karai, I think is de- it's definitely Molly was mentioned in Karai is too on how they were living a normal life. A lot of times they were betrayed somehow or just some kind of unfortunate incident. And then the masters either reanimate them or bring them to the cause. So if, if you like that kind of backstory, I would say definitely give a read and listen to the Rezzer backstory. Yeah, and each, uh, each master is pretty unique as far as a lot of the other mm. factions. Some of the masters have intertwining and very common backstories, whereas the Rezzers, almost all of them are completely different. Yeah, I'd agree with that because if you look at the guild, I think is a good example. A lot of the guild, they share the same agenda, keep Malifo safe, right? Whereas the Rezzers, they definitely have a lot of split agendas. They're very loosely... Uh, associated with each other in a lot of cases. Yeah, like I said, they definitely have their own personal agendas, which is uh, really cool. Yeah, they seem like a faction that wouldn't be scared to stab each other in the back if it advanced their own agenda. That uh, The latest story that I actually read is just that uh, Jack Daw helps Karai bring back her husband, her lost love, Francis. But Mm -hmm. during the ritual, he betrays her and screws up the ritual to grab something for his own self. And now she brought him back to life, but he's just a mindless body now. Cool. Well, definitely give that a check on the, uh, on the old read list because a lot of the background for this game is just fun. It's just, there's a lot of cool stories and they're really intertwined well. And, and if you haven't gone to listen to any of the breach side broadcasts, they have a lot of cool little, it's almost like mini series where they have like, Hey, this one's about this incident and it builds up to it. And then this one's about this one and it builds up to it. So let's go ahead and transition to 
the versatile models, uh, Brandon. So we're not going to talk about all of them, but what are some of the versatile models for resers that people might want to pick up or they might want to play because they're pretty good and you see them in a lot of different crews? Uh, so kind of the big three that stem right off the top of my head would be the Carrying Emissary, Dead Rider, and Sloth. Okay. And so then, let's start off with the uh, let's start off with the emissary because I like the effigy with the doctor's mask, so that looks pretty cool. But then it turns into this huge monstrosity of a a raven. So yeah, what does that do in game? It has a couple of good abilities. First, it has terrifying good stats, um, flight. But one of the best front of card abilities that goes so well is the flesh crawls. Uh, friendly undead models that start their activation within six of them get an additional inch of movement for their activation. And yeah, you know, and resers are traditionally slow. Is that correct? For the most part, yes. And of course, you know, more than half your uh, models are undead. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. A lot of the stuff that recurs, I imagine, are pretty slow in the game. Yeah, it can also uh, create terrain. It can create blocking coffin markers it can summon zombies it has a good blast attack that also hands out injured so he's pretty good That's all good. around and of course his aura of decay is a great little ability it's uh they can't enemy models can't heal or reduce yeah. damage by soul stone which makes master That's, kills huge yeah, it's huge i definitely when i was playing levy that was something that i noticed with like uh levy that if you got into the auras where you couldn't heal, it really catches people kind of surprised a lot of times. And they're like, oh, now this model's just dead. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that. That seems like that could get some really good use uh, in the game, especially with a lot of the slower stuff and kind of trudging along the uh, the battlefield there. So this next one I've heard a lot about, Brandon, and it's the Dead Rider. So why do we see a lot of the Dead Rider? Uh, the Dead Rider first is fast, you know, move seven with uh ride with me probably the one of the fastest if not the fastest model in the faction the riders are good in general ruthless he has a min three attack with a two eat two inch range That's which good. yeah is pretty good there's not as many two inch reaches in the game some of his other abilities he can also pulse out injured and damage in a six inch bubble which is okay. pretty good, especially with the uh, the new scheme or yeah, the new scheme. Uh, Let them bleed. He makes yeah. it pretty easy to do. The second point. Yeah. Now, some of us that are new to the game, Brandon, I'm starting to see like uh, Revel and Death. His ability on the back, it has multiple crows. Why does it have like five crows at the end of that? How does that work with the rider? So each rider has an ability that at the beginning of the turn, they gain a fate token equal mm -hmm. to the turn number. Uh, then when they declare any triggers, they can remove the fate token to get a suit of their choice. In this case, the rider will be the crow. Yeah. So you have a, a three crow, a four crow, and a five crow ability on him. Each one has a different one. Uh, the spinning scythe is the three crow, which is probably the one that i use the most yeah which is just take an action attack action on a model within six inches 
Yeah, and do you kind of hold that for that moment when you're like, okay, I need to kill this model? That way you just know you have an extra attack in your pocket. It depends on the games. Uh, most of the time I kind of hold him back more for defense because uh, he also has another ability where he can remove his tokens uh, or he reduces damage by one for each crow in his total. Okay. So it really depends on if I need to keep him alive or if I do want that extra tag. So you can remove multiple crows to reduce damage. Like if you get damage three, you can remove two to only take one. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Well, cool. I mean, yeah, that's that's fun. And I tell you, anything with ride or fly with me, I love. I mean, I've been taking a lot of Gracie, and I've been doing a lot of the Iron Skeeter. So, I mean, those are, that's a strong ability because it just helps move your crew around where you need them. Yeah, especially in this crew or this faction as well. Once again, going back to most of them are on the slower side. Okay, and then the last one that you talked about was Sloth. Then. I love all the models that come out of the crossroad box. So what do you like about this guy? Because I have not seen this guy at all. His sin ability is linked to healing. Whenever okay. an enemy model within six heals, they get a sin token. If they heal within six and they have a sin token, he can remove that to heal uh, himself or another model. Okay, so they don't even heal then. He heals himself for somebody else. Yes. So he's stealing the heal. <laughs> yeah, which okay. can be uh, pretty good. But then he also has uh, more healing. His bonus action is no target number. It just happens. Target gains slow and heals three. Okay. Uh, and then you can mix that with his other um, ability, Rigorous Mortis, to where 8-inch uh, willpower attack that gives a model slow. But if it's an undead it gains fast. Okay, so essentially he he heals them, gives them slow, but then can also give them fast to take away the slow. Yeah, or just straight up give them fast. Yeah, which, I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. I mean, it's <laughs> it's like either you're going to give um, you know somebody three actions or you're going to heal them three and then just get rid of the negative effect, which is really good. Yeah, and especially the it just heals three. It's not a one, two, three with no flow. Oh, yeah. Is yeah, that's great. big. That's pretty rare in the game. Well, cool. Any, so anything else about the versatile models before we start getting into keywords, or are those just kind of the big three that you really like? Uh, those are kind of the big three. Um, mindless zombies, uh, there's a lot of models that can summon them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not ones that you want to take, but they're probably ones that you'll want to get, because like I said, the M... Carrying emissary can bring them, them a in. Lot. The dead rider can bring them in. Yeah, it's kind of like Bayou Gremlins for uh, Bayou. Pretty much. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started then with some of the keywords. And the one that I'm most familiar with is definitely uh, Jack Daw. Now, Daw is a really interesting character, and something you're going to notice a lot in this faction, but especially in his crew is there's a lot of, this is the tor tormented keyword, there's a lot of terror. I'd say, I think, if I remember correctly from looking at some of the numbers, that um, Rezzers probably have a lot of the the most terrifying, I would want to say, in all the factions. I mean, that's probably close if it's not 100% accurate. But terrifying is an annoying mechanic because you have to attack to, or you have to, just do a duel and pass it just to attack or do an action to that model. Uh, 
But Jackdaw is doing a lot of things. He's he's terrifying, which a lot of his keyword is. He then he, a lot of things his keyword does. It actually attacks your movement and willpower. Very few things in his crew actually attack defense. So, Brandon, how do you find that you've seen people or you've used Jack Daw to kind of win games and play? Like, how does he get around? Because his card, it's not direct. It's very indirect on how you play him. Yeah, it really is. He's probably my least played master. I think I've only played him twice. I haven't gotten him completely down, but he is very resource intensive yes so he's a he's a little bit you got to come at him a little bit sideways i guess i want to try and say yeah to where he's also some of his movement tricks he's trying to attack his own models because the guilty can be treated as enemies and that's Mm -hmm. he has on his on your heel so he just hits them teleports up yeah and it's one of those things where jack daw just really attacks your he attacks your hand he attacks your movement speed uh they put out a lot of staggered so they're they're really making it hard for you to move and staggered is huge in this crew and that's when i because i've probably played jack daw maybe like 10 times and the thing i noticed about jack daw is you want to attack people's movement so you want to get that staggered out which is why you see a lot of the hanged and you see guilty and montressor can put that out too because dead man's collar he just straight up starts just obliterating people. Uh, basically, he makes you discard cards. Uh, Dead Man's Caller is a two, three, four attack, but he can boost that de- or that damage up. So it's actually a lot more because if he has can't breathe trigger, you're actually taking like a four, five, six, and he's attacking your movement, which is going to be at a minus two because you're probably going to be staggered. Uh, yeah, and he can teleport to places because he can jump to people uh, with his on your heels trigger. Uh, he's just he's a really interesting master, which is why I liked him. I just I don't know. It's just he plays differently. Like he, I don't I don't know if you can play Jackdaw all the time because I think once people figure him out, there's definitely some hard counters to him. Uh, one I would say is any faction that can put a lot of like small damage on him can actually kill Jackdaw pretty easily uh, because Jackdaw only has six boxes, but he can discard a card to reduce it to one. So that's one thing I would say about Jackdaw is once people figure him out, he's, he can be dealt with relatively easy, but I think the problem people have is the first time you play him. It's just a miserable experience. Yeah, it's for sure. I was about to, uh, you know, call out the, six boxes with that he's a odd person to play keeping control of your hand and whenever uh any of his models deal damage to a model with a tormented upgrade which almost every one of his crews throws out he'll heal that one damage or he can draw a card or whenever he draws a card he can instead heal so he's pretty tanky yeah, and I've also seen it where, yeah, a lot of his crew's tanky. And any uh, scheme or strat that is, like, kill-based, he's a great one to bring because he will deny your opponent. A lot of a lot of games with Jack Daw, you'll only see it be, like, a 4-2 score or, like, a, you know, 5-3. It's not really... You're not going to see a lot of eight-point games with Jack Daw. He's very denial. <laughs> one cool thing that you can do is you can also bring, like, an undead outlaw in Jack Daw's keyword, 
and the undead outlaw can help give like the hanged fast. Uh, the hanged are like an auto include in this fa- in this uh, keyword, just because uh, they have tossed the noose like monstressor, but they also put out a ranged um, a ranged stagger with that toss the noose. So it's just and something you need. Uh, Staggered needs to be out to be successful. Yeah, that and their uh, one of my favorite abilities. I forget what it's called, but the the Joker swap. Where they treat black jokers oh, yeah. as red and opponent black or red jokers are treated as uh black. Yeah, they got like forever doomed. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you if you know you have the black joker coming up or if you have it in your hand, you can just save it for their activation. Essentially you have two red jokers, which is awesome. Alright, so I think this Jackdaw is kind of tough though. If if you're a newer player, I don't know if Jackdaw is a great place for you to start off with just because he plays very differently. He play he doesn't play Malifaux the same way a a normal Malifaux player would play the game. He plays his own own little scheming. I'm gonna kill you and do weird uh, willpower and movement shenanigans. So uh, a lot of fun though. It just takes a lot of reps to get him down for sure. Well, top of that too is also he can be a pretty bad negative play experience for your opponent. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, if you go back and listen to, I think it was three or four months ago, we had you on with me and Chris, and uh, we talked about the first game that him and I played. And I guess it was more than that now. But anyways, um, yeah, Chris was definitely salty on, like, how do you kill this, you know, son of a bitch? And he was pretty pissed off about it. Uh, It's always fun to hear Chris rage, though. Yeah, it is. All right, well, let's go ahead and hop into our next keyword. So the next one we're going to look at, Brandon, is the experimental keyword, and this is uh, McMorning's crew. Now, from basically this point on, I only know of things that I have heard, which isn't a lot about Rezzers. So let's go ahead and just start off with what is McMorning trying to do on the table there? Uh, So McMorning is, he can kind of play a couple different roles, but mainly he's going to be your beater bruiser kind of model. Okay. Um, he doesn't have a very high stat line or uh, damage track, but he has precise, which ignores armor, hard to kill, hard to wound. Mm-hmm. And he's going to stay in the battle pretty well because the experimental keyword does a lot with poisoning. All of okay. their models have ways of throwing out poison on themselves and enemy models, but and instead of them taking damage from poison, they heal themselves from the poison. All right. Uh, and also McMorning's uh, main attack, his claw attack, whenever it hits, he also heals himself. Uh, that's his organ donor ability, not his actual attack. It's the yeah, so he's kind of interesting. He looks similar to like what Brewmaster is kind of doing, where he's definitely manipulating the poison. He has blood poisoning, so that's great because he can just put on extra damage to finish somebody off. I really like the ignoring hard to wound, hard to kill, and shielded and armor. That's that's a good answer for a lot of those those choices out there because there is a lot of armor and a lot of hard to kill and wound and shielded is annoying too. I've been playing a lot of. Um, I've been playing against Sand Deep a lot, and a lot of those things pop up a lot. So he'd probably be a decent answer to Sand Deep, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, the first game 
that I played in our league down here. I played against a uh, guy. I played Sam Deep, and he brought McMorning and just with the Kentari, he was able to get into my Sam Deep turn one and just ripped him to shreds. Okay, I was not expecting it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of rough. Uh, what are a couple of models in his keyword that you're like? That's a pretty good model. That that model like will win you some games or win you some points. Uh, so the first model that I normally uh, would look at would be the nurse. They're okay. one, they're another support model. They're kind of the healers. They have a bonus action uh, one two three heal that can give out some poison, can give out that shielding, give out some focus, a bunch of different yeah, things. A um, couple of the other good abilities is you know they're manipulative, but uh, bedside manner is pretty big in my opinion as well. Uh, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's when a model takes damage within three inches of them, you can discard a card to place them in base contact with this model. So they can kind of pull somebody out that's in danger of dying. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that before. Um, uh, who has that, uh, Doc Mitchell has that for outcast and that was definitely helpful to get Parker or get somebody else out of trouble. So I can definitely see the use in that. And um, also, tools for the job. Tools for the job is just another. That's great an annoying ability. ability. <laughs> it's like, oh, they discarded or they flipped a twelve. Oh, I'm glad I don't have to see that again. I'll go ahead and draw that with tools for the job. So yeah, annoying. it's uh, pretty fun too. If you're uh, initiative, if say you need first initiative, I'm gonna cheat in this uh, thirteen. My first activation is going to be the nurse. I'm going to pick the 13 back up and then discard this to get the suit that I need for my bottle of painkillers. And then go heal somebody that's about to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be like, I'm like, are you serious? God. Uh, anybody else in that keyword that you want to give a quick shout out to? There, I see there's a zombie chihuahua. That's kind of cute. Yeah, so zombie chihuahua doesn't really do uh, too much. Uh, he just it's, just... it's just totem, right? Yeah, he has uh, Annoying, which is uh, a fun little ability. Just run him into different people. McMorning also has uh, Rancid Transplant, which is one thing okay. I kind of use the Chihuahua for. You know, if I have uh, somebody that's like Rafkin can pulse out poison to everybody, I'll then yeah. use McMorning's Rancid Transplant to pull the poison off of the Chihuahua and throw it onto something that really needs it. Okay. Yeah, that could be handy. So once again, just manipulating the poison. So I'm guessing McMorning and a lot of his um, minions and a lot of his people really depend on poison to kind of get their work done as far as like scheming and damage goes. I would say they definitely rely on the poison to heal. Okay, so let me ask you, are they, what kind of game are they trying to play? Are they trying to, are they going into killy pools? Are they going into scheming? Are they going into where you want attrition? Like where do you see McMorning a lot? I see them definitely into killing slash attrition kind of games. Uh, most of my games with McMorning have been pulling him in as a second master. Okay. Something that if I need a really good uh, killy model, because he can go off by himself pretty well. But I can definitely see him more. They're more into the killing. I'd say public enemies, maybe. Okay. I haven't I haven't played them into GG1, so it's a little tough to say as far as what strats are good in right now. Well, yeah, it um, seems like, uh, 
public enemies because they'd be able to kill, but they also can heal to deny you from getting your uh, your wanted points or whatever they're called. Your I can't remember what the hell it's called, but you know what I'm saying. The bounties, yeah. Um, yeah, the bounty bounty tokens. So cool. I mean, McMorning sounds fun. Definitely, poison mechanics are always fun to mess around with. So let's go ahead and hop into the next one, which this is our uh, broken-hearted lover here, Karai. So Karai and the Yurami, uh, how the heck is this, uh, <laughs> how is this a reser? Like, what is she trying to do that's all undead, and uh, how does she work? I don't even know. Uh, so Karai is definitely my girl. Um, okay. Kind of her backstory, she was a geisha, and... She was in love with the, um, I think it was like the Duke's son or something like that. I can't, or it was the magistrate's son. It was some high noble official, I believe, right? Yeah. The, uh, wow. I can't remember his name, but yeah, the, uh, the leader of the guild. Um, I know everybody's going to be yelling at me. You don't know this, but well, I yeah. think he actually said his name earlier in the episode, but uh, the governor ahead. general, the governor general, there it is. That it. That's it. She was in love with him and the governor general sent a hit out to kill Karai. He mm-hmm. jumped in front of the bullet and she was filled with vengeance. And one of the gifts that Francis gave to her was the Gorgon's uh, scale, which is one of the other Rezzers uh, sources of power. And the Akirio and Datsuba, the spirits of vengeance came to her and was like, hey, do you want to get vengeance on everybody? And they gave them her power. And now she is able to summon uh, spirits of vengeance mm-hmm. at will. Okay, so is she, uh, she's not a summoner, is she? She is the main summoner. Okay. There is uh, summoning in every crew, or every crew has a form of summon, but she is the full-on summoner she has the ability to summon them okay uh her that, summon- that's her blood and wind ability right yes and it works a little bit different than other summons whenever she brings a model in the, mm-hmm. she attaches an upgrade that when the model that she summoned in starts she takes damage so you have to balance her health pools she has a lot of ways to heal Mm-hmm. Most of her summons have triggers that when they kill a model, the master heals one, two, three. Yeah, and I'm seeing like life leech. Somebody starts within four. She gets to heal a point. Um, she actually puts out adversary. That's pretty good, too. Yes, that is her other big thing that she does. Is and she uh, does it at range. Yes, not only that, but also hatred, the other ability. Um she can suffer one damage whenever the adversary condition would be removed and it does mm-hmm. not get removed. Oh man, that doesn't even have a range. No, it does not. Just needs line of sight. So she is such a hateful woman that she's like, no, we're going to punish you the next turn as well. Yes. Wow. That's good. And her totem, she is the only summoner that can resummon her totem. Akirio is a damage dealing machine. It's only a two, three, four damage track, but the damage is irreducible. I mean, uh, there's other summoners that can do that. Somer can bring his uh, mosquitoes back. That's true. They are they are minions. Yeah, 
Um, but the Akirio does not get the summon upgrade. So it just comes back. Yeah, she has, uh, Kirio has uh, an ability, Karai's Soul, that it can be summoned, and it's not once per turn. It ignores the once per turn. So Karai could summon, say, a Drowned, and then next activation, summon a Kirio back. Huh. Well, that's kind of cool. Now, I'm noted. so looking at it, what is she summoning? What are the ones where you're like, okay, when she activates, these are the ones that I really want to summon because they do work? When I'm playing her, uh, first off, I generally only keep one to two summons on the table. So okay. she's a little bit different than other summoners that she wants to summon, or she doesn't need to summon every turn. But my go-to summons are usually like the Gorio. Uh, they have a bonus action that they can pass out adversary, as well as when they die, they can give out uh, adversary on a demise, and okay. pretty good beaters. Yeah, they are. I mean, I'm looking at them. They're two, four, five. You can uh, get a lot of damage out there. You're going to have, I mean, this is a crew that it sounds like when you have, you're going to have adversary on the table. And that, to me, that's the hint that it's like, okay, they're trying to kill this model just because they're targeting it. So I think that's a, when you're playing against her, I think that's a big clue. Maybe like, okay, she put adversary there. I need to, okay, how can I protect this model? Cause I don't want it to die. Yeah. Um, is she, uh, so, I mean, obviously it looks like her crew's relatively fast. I'm looking at the numbers and do they have any out of activation movement on top of this? Uh, yes, they do. They have stations. You know how much I love out of activation shenanigans coming from, uh, scalpel and guild ball. Oh yeah. But, uh, so stations and also the other henchmen, uh, Datsuba have guide spirit which is just mm-hmm. uh, eight inch range. Friendly Yurami takes a walk action. Oh man. So this to me, and just, I haven't seen the other crews yet. Like I said, I've only briefly glanced at them. This seems like your faster crew that when you need to get around the board. So maybe like symbols of authority and stuff, this might be the crew you take. I generally take this crew into corrupted ley lines as well. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, that. That makes sense. Um, because they're also incorporeal, so they can take a more... Almost every model is incorporeal, so they can take a more direct line from Lodestone to Lodestone. Yeah, yeah. and another model that I'll ask you about, and then I think we'll kind of move on here, but uh, I'm looking at Jakuna. Is she a model you bring a lot? Because that model is pretty sweet if you guys haven't seen it. Yeah, I bring her quite a bit. I bring both her... And the Drowned is another model that I know you're probably familiar with playing from Jack Yeah, Daw. with Jack Daw, yeah. Yeah, I love their their hazardous auras. You can really get somebody in them and make a, a bad day for them. Yeah, just make their life um, miserable trying to move. Yeah, Drowned are also uh, one of my other summons because the spirit upgrade, the Vengeful Spirit upgrade, the summon upgrade, gives them a crow built in, which... Gives their uh, anchor, their melee attack, stunned as well. Okay. Which is pretty good. Back to uh, Jakuna, I kind (laughs) of missed your question. Jakuna is really good with the Serene Continent. She can stay up pretty well. And that lore is really, really great. Yeah, and I'm just noticing that with this keyword, it's a lot of... 
it's it's not like other summoners because I feel like a lot of summoners control the board, but they also kind of flood it. But I feel like this one summons, but it's also good at kind of you're going off and doing your own thing. Like you don't need to stay huddled up with this crew. It doesn't look like. No, I generally run maybe a core up the center and then I'll have yeah. some Shikome on the one wing and then Jakuna and a drowned on the other wing. So yeah, they can kind of go off and do their own. Well, let's go ahead and go into our next crew then. So this is going to be the forgotten crew with old Molly squid pigeon. So, or I call her Squid Pigeon, but it's just Squid Pigeon. But anyways, what is this crew doing? Uh, I have not looked at Molly at like at all. So this is, I'm just looking at the cards pretty much for the first time now. So what, <laughs> gotcha. what do you like about this crew? Uh, Molly is the control master, 100%. Um, okay. She just makes you, she can make your opponent really think about things. One of the biggest talked about abilities on her when they first came out was Last Caress. It's another ability with no range, just needs line of sight. If a model declares an action that it has already declared this turn, they suffer two damage. <laughs> so if I attack twice and she can see me, I take two. Yes. Okay. That's, if you uh, that first turn and miserable. walk, walk, you're taking two damage. That sounds fun. I mean, you just would have to play around that because you go, okay, I'm going to walk, I'm going to charge. Yeah. There are definite ways around it. Some of your other models will have two or three different form of attack actions that you can take two different attack actions to get around it. So, I mean, just looking at that ability, is her crew trying to put chip damage on you? Is that how they kind of deal with their opponents? They have some chip damage, but they also have uh, they have Archie. Which Okay, I've, like, I've heard the Archie name before, so this fellow must be good. Yeah, he did get heat. He did get hit hard with the nerf bat. But okay, they, they brought him down to a good place. He definitely was way too overpowered. You know, so he's, he's still he's still playable. Very much so. Okay. Well, I noticed one of his tentacles is holding an ice cream cone, so that's kind of uh, fun. Yes, and terrifying. And, uh, mine has a uh, little pirate hat on it. <laughs> Oh, it even has a brain freeze ability, so apparently he ate too much ice cream. Okay, so what what does Archie do that makes him good then? He's hard to get down. Uh, he's fast. He's a little bit less uh, fast than he was. He has leap, which leaps are always great. Yep, leaps, leaps um, pretty fucking good if you don't know. He was a move five. They brought him down to move four, but they also gave him rush, which gives him plus two, plus two on his charge actions. Yeah. Um, you know, terrifying, hard to wound, but he's got that min three damage with the flurry ability. So you can discard a card to get an extra attack, which, uh, also brings me back to the overall forgotten's keyword ability is the fading. They all have some way of, if they discard a card, they get X benefit. Whereas Archie's fading brain freezes. Whenever he discards a card, he heals one, two, three based on the value of the discarded card. Okay, so, that's pretty good. Yeah. So he's uh, beating you with min three attacks, flurrying, healing from that discard, and then beating you more with some tentacles or baby arms or I don't know what else he's got. <laughs> well, looking at this, Brandon, 
so they're discarding a lot of cards. Do they have a lot of draw ability in this crew, or is that something you have to bring out a keyword? Yeah, uh, Molly has great card draw. Uh, when she's when you activate her, if your opponent has more cards in your hand, you just straight draw up to their hand size. That seems pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so you're going with her. You're going with some of your other models, like say Archie, and you're cheating in your high cards. You're ditching for the flurry, and then you're going to go with Molly, draw all those cards back up. Yeah. Um, she also has Lost Knowledge, which is another one of my favorite abilities. It's just simple. Remove a marker, draw two cards. Yeah, that's any marker, too. Any marker. It can wait, be wait, 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 wait. So that means you could remove my piano markers. I can remove your piano markers. I can remove your pit trap markers. I can remove uh, Pierce's pyre markers. Titania's uh, underbrush markers. Oh, that's pretty good, man. Bass's cloud uh, dust. Yeah. Oh, well, hold on. That's not even what, like, that's not even the bonus action. So you could do that three times if you really wanted to, to get a whole, you know, full grip of cards. Yeah, she can do that three times. Okay, I mean, I, I don't think you would, but, I mean, it's an option. I mean, drawing six cards is not terrible, but hopefully you uh, have something we, better you can do. You do need a marker to get it. Um, generally, on first turn, I might go with her toad on the Wayward Mariner and interact to drop a scheme marker just to give me an option if I need to get some extra cards. Okay. Um, but she's also doing, she has a good bit of uh, activation control as well. Her other uh, tactical action, Constructive Criticism, mm -hmm. uh, basically allows a friendly minion that is already activated a second activation, and then either okay. her or the other model discards a card, triggering okay. whichever uh, fading ability you want. And her fading ability is not bad. It gives an enemy model within eight distracted. Which definitely is annoying. I kind of like what she's doing, and... She just seems like, like you said, you're just controlling where you want the action to happen, kind of what what conditions are out, uh, cards. I mean, anytime you see a lot of card draw in this game, I think that's a big sign that they're probably going to be doing things to you that you don't like. Last one that I want to just see what you have to say about it. What's up with this Philip and the nanny? There's like this gruesome little zombie baby being pushed around by a skeletal woman. That model is one of my uh, favorite characters in the fluff. Okay. They needed some information. I think it was either an archaeologist or an explorer. But they mm -hmm. cut off his head. They had a battle against him. And Seamus and Molly were going for him. They cut off his head and run away because they can't get the body. Then they oh. resurrect, the, resurrect just the head of it. Oh, dear. And throughout the whole thing, they're, the uh, chronicles and the stories, they're asking this head for all information about Kythera and whatever they want. And eventually, Molly gets tired of carrying the head around, so she takes a lady and resurrects her, puts the head in a baby carriage, and has the uh, nanny push the uh, head of Philip around for the rest of the time. Wow, that's... Uh... That's pretty messed up, man. <laughs> it, it's even more messed up. Molly in the story thought she was doing something that he liked, and she kept like knitting him little weird hats and putting them on him, and he was getting oh. frustrated. 
Oh my god. Well, what does it do in the game, though? That's an awesome backstory, but what does it actually do? Is, do you use it at all? I don't know how good um, it is. I used it once. It's got only four defense. Uh, it has some pretty good abilities. It copies the fading of everybody around, which some of them can be pretty good. has a decent attack, decent mobility, but I just I don't like that four defense on an eight-stone model that with no real other defense tech rather than manipulative. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard some people say that they they love bringing it in certain matchups. Uh, so, I mean, that makes sense. So let's go ahead and go on to our new uh, keyword here. So we got the Transmortis, and this is Professor Von Stuck. So uh, he sounds very academic, so I'm sure he's going to have some learning key abilities here. Yeah, he definitely has some uh, learning key abilities. I think Von Stuck is probably one of the best masters in the game right now. Oh, you do? I really do. Uh, I have not lost with him. I mean, and and that says a lot, Brandon, because you travel around pretty well for this game uh, before the lockdown. So, I mean, y- you have a lot of games with Rezzers and a lot of games in general. So, I mean, that, that says a lot for how Von Stuck I mean, currently sits. Yeah, his uh, his whole keyword just has a giant toolbox of everything. Um, he hands out focus himself. Uh, he does blasts. Um, one of my favorite things about him, which drew me to him, is all of his models have, um, let me make sure I get the name of it right, studied opponent. That when they are in a duel once per activation, if they have mm-hmm. a suit that shares with the opponent, they get to draw a card afterwards. So I never run out of a hand with them. It is very rarely that I do not have a hand while playing the Transmortis. All right. Well, he does a lot of interesting things that I'm just kind of looking at. Um, like you said, the blast damage kind of sticks out. Uh, that it seems like a lot of his stuff is happening kind of from range. Uh, so is that kind of, are they more like, are they scheming? Are they damaging? Are they range damage? Like, how do you see them playing actually on the, uh, on the table? They, I play them as a very fast paced, aggressive, uh, crew. Uh, Von Stuck himself, I use more as a support master and secondary, um, damage dealer. Like, yeah, just some chip damage or just to get an effect out. Yeah, I'm usually going pretty early with him on turn one. Uh, he has a way of summoning his own models in a different way because he puts an upgrade onto another model, which is usually going to be the Valedictorian. Yeah. And then when the model with the upgrade kills a model, they get to summon one of his minions with cost equal or less. So the Val, he usually throws the upgrade on Val. Then he has another ability to give her fast. With his third one, he gives him focus and a two-inch push. And then Val screams across the board and tries to murder something and summon something and get a two-for-one. Yeah, I was just looking at it because I know a lot of people bring the Valid Victorian, so... um... She has Flurry, which is really good. Uh, Puncture is always good on her attack. Uh, yeah, I mean, looks like a nasty model tool. You have this, like, winged woman kind of 
that's just been torn apart by Von Stuck, it looks like. Yeah, it's a pretty cool model. I didn't like it until I painted it. I, I didn't like okay. the look of it, but then once I actually got it and started painting it, I've liked it a little bit more. It's definitely a weird, cool-looking model. But Okay, what about Anna Lovelace? Does she see a lot of the time on the table for you? She makes almost every game for me, uh, depending on what it okay. is. She's... She has some great tools against different masters. The hostile work environment, uh, I used to play Sparks, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And this, it's on a model now that is more has higher defense and more survivable. It basically makes okay. um, enemy models can't target enemy models within six inches of her. Yeah, and that's a big deal, especially when you start engaging the enemy and people are trying to save them, heal them, maybe reposition them, and it looks like she's just shutting that down. Yeah, that and then also tied with Gravity Well uh, is another Mm -hmm. one that gets people. Models can't be placed within six inches of her, so that stops summoners. fly with me. It stops fly with me, any kind of flight. It stops summoners, unburies. Yeah, that's pretty good. And it's not. It's one of those things where it's not like a backbreaking ability, but it's just something you have to account for. Because I know there's times where I plan something and I'm like, okay, I'm going to fly with me and I'll put a model there. But she just locks down that area where you can't do that. So you just have to account for it. Mm-hmm. The other thing with her too is I'm also usually bringing in carrying emissary. Uh, the emissary comes in for two reasons. Uh, one with uh, Anna, because uh, Anna has a remote detonator ability. She can push a friendly undead three inches and then explode it. Everybody within two inches of them have to take a move duel or suffer three damage and uh, injured. Mm-hmm. And the carrying emissary provides those uh, great little mindless zombies for her to blow up very, very well. Yeah, and, and it looks like, oh man, I mean, I'm I'm looking at Von Stuck's card, and he's putting out a lot of different conditions that could really make it hard for you to pass that duel or pass uh, pass that consistently. Yeah, even if they do pass, it's just it's also more resources out of their hand. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's something I definitely noticed about playing Malifaux in general, that it's all about how well can you control your hand, how well can you attack your opponent's hand, where are you spending your resources versus theirs, and, and that's where I feel like a lot of the games are won and lost, is how you decide to actually spend those resources. Um, yeah, and also on resources, that remote detonate also draws you a card as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> just, good. Just, just, just add it on. Just um, throw it on top there. <laughs> uh, the other reason why the carrying emissary comes in, once again, for that movement, the valedictorian is only a move five. Yeah. But she is undead, so the carrying emissary makes her a six. And then with the research assistant, also has move along, gives her another inch. That valedictorian becomes a move seven fast that, that seems, seems pretty good so, well, yeah, cool and pretty good trick when i was looking at it i will say i think von stuck's crew is virtual or virtually visually very appealing uh i think a lot of the models look really cool in that crew as well yeah i love the uh the look of the student of viscera i can't wait for the other ones the the snake looking guy 
Yeah. Yeah. If you like a lot of like the undead, you know, kind of uh, this weird biomechanical kind of feel, I mean, Rezzers and, and definitely the Transmortis crew are probably going to speak to you a lot. Um, um, well, cool. Would that be like the Adepticus Mechanicus? I kind of yeah. think they remind me of them a little bit, like undead versions yeah, of them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, well, let's go ahead and hop. We got a couple more left. We got the next one is the Revenant, and this is Riva Cortinas. Now, from what I understand, Brandon, you can correct me if I'm wrong, she's one of the le- played, I'd say she's not played as much as the other masters. I've heard other people say she's probably uh, the least powerful in the faction. Is that correct? I could. I would say that. She probably is the the weakest. She did get a new buff. She did get some start getting some light, but I don't think it's enough to compete with the Molly or the Von Stuck or the Cry, who I think are the three strongest resers. But she had, okay. So she what is she play. doing on the table? Um, she's manipulating fire. She's throwing out some pyre markers. Uh, her all of her, most of her keyword has the ability to where when they if they walk through a fire marker a pyre marker, mm-hmm. they also gain shielding. Okay. Um, she can attack through anybody within, uh, I want to say eight inches, uh, six inches. No, eight. I was right. Um, she can use her attack through anyone within eight inches of her that have the shielded or corpse markers which her totems are also considered as corpse markers. And it's a min three damage, so it's pretty decent attack, three, four, five. I mean, and she's on a horse, so, I mean, she's moving around pretty good. She's speed seven, her movement seven. Yeah, speed seven, un- unimpeded, of course, which, you know, it's pretty good. And uh, she heals a lot, too. Um, most of their models, once again, too, have final veil. If another model's died around, they heal one. And she can, for with a bonus action, remove fire off of models and heal equal to the amount of fire they take off of. Okay. Yeah, so I think she's bringing a lot of like these lamp ads and uh, people that are putting out a lot of different fire. Um, hmm. um, generally, when I play her, I don't play much in her keyword. I don't really bring the lamp pads. I'm usually bringing, once again, the carrying emissary. Mm-hmm. Um. She he's summon she summoned the mindless zombies who also count as corpse markers, which give her more attack vectors. So let me ask you this then, Brandon. So you said you're bringing a lot of, out of keyword. Do you just feel like she would she be more playable if some of her keyword was beefed up a little bit? Is that where you feel like some of the the negative uh, negative things come from her? Like does does her crew just need to be pumped up a little bit? I think so. Um, I'm not a huge fan of her core crew mechanics, working with the fire back and forth. It just seems like it's it's just there to me. Yeah, I played against it once, and I will say that a lot of those, like I, when you play against somebody like Sandeep who has those pyro markers, and you know he can actually move them and manipulate them, that actually like feels like a problem. Whereas when I played her, they were just kind of there and I was like, okay, I'll just go around. Yeah. There are ways for her to summon more totems. And that's pretty much about all. I really got a lot of use out of them. Hmm. 
Yeah, which is kind of a, a shame because I'm looking at this, uh, the Draugr or Draugr or whatever the hell, hell they're called. But, I mean, they got these huge berserker axes. They look cool, but, I mean, they don't yeah. seem super, super good. All of her models, I love all of her models. The lamp pads are amazing looking models. I love yeah. those models. But they just, I don't think they're worth the eight soul stones. Yeah, they, so that was the big thing. I was like, holy crap, they're eight points. <laughs> that and the, the crew is already a little uh, resource intensive, and their demise ability, you have to discard a card to bring them back. Hmm. Um, you know, their they're defense four, they have nine wounds, but they're they're going to die. Yeah, I was, well, I mean, granted, I was playing Levy into this crew, so, I mean, they didn't last super <laughs> long because of that. I don't hmm. think anything lasts very long into Levy. <laughs> Well, you know, that's probably got some truth to it, Brandon. <laughs> okay. Well, anything else you want to say about Reva before we kind of move on here? Um, not really much. Like I said, I don't I've played her a couple times, but she's not really that interesting of a master to me. All right. So, that's going to bring us on to the Red Chapel, and this is with uh Seamus. So, I don't know. What do you think about the Red Chapel keyword, uh, Brandon? It's pretty good. Um, it's another one of those masters that doesn't necessarily need the keyword, but it can yeah. work pretty well with it. Seamus has the strongest gun in the game. Oh, yeah? Uh, Why is that? It's a four, six, eight damage, ignoring hard to wound. Oh, wow. How do you, how do you get to there? Focus. Uh, generally, I take the Whisper upgrade on him. Mm-hmm which will allow me to give intuition so I can look at the top three cards and replace them back in any order. So I know I can get some pretty high um, cards out. But then also, you definitely want to take focus shots with them because it is high, but it's only a once per activation on his gun. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, that's kind of where I think you have to set up with Seamus is you almost have to be like, okay, I have a very good shot at getting to that at least moderate because I don't think you want the mint on that gun. I think you want either the moderate or the high shot. So I think hitting the target at the right time to guarantee, almost guarantee that is probably big with him. Yeah, and he can get, he can get to any model he really wants to pretty easily as well with his... um, Can I just say this, Brandon... (laughs) <laughs> I fucking hate Secret Passage. I'm just going to say it. I'm sure everybody else does that plays against it. But I played a lot of, against those stupid... What are the newsies for the guild or whatever that can do Secret Passage? I think it is it's the newsies. Is it? Yeah, if it is them, it's 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 so annoying. Like, especially since I like to play Zip, and they can just be like, oh, cool, you just put down some blocking terrain for me, thanks. And <laughs> back to the Carrying Emissary, the Carrying Emissary... Uh, also, once again, those coffin markers are blockable or blocking. I'm sure you've used that trick to great effect, Brandon. <laughs> Sometimes pretty well. <laughs> yeah, so Secret Passage, for those that don't know, basically you can declare, um, basically, if this model's within one inch of blocking terrain, which, hey, it's Malifaux, there's going to be blocking terrain, you can go within one inch of another blocking terrain piece. So you can it's just within crazy. 12 inches so it is it is a limited yeah, but it's a 12 but also inches can, consider how big terrain pieces are that can be way more than 12 inches 
Well, he has to place. It has to be both within 12 inches and um, within one inch of blocking terrain. Uh, okay, so he he has to land basically yeah. within 12. Okay. Yeah, the so key word in just... the ability is place this model anywhere within range. And within it has to be within one, one inch okay. of, yeah. So it has to be both. And I played that wrong a few times because um, I've not with Seamus, but I played that wrong with um, Hucksters in. Yeah, Hucksters, that's the one I was looking for too. Oh, God, so annoying. Anyways, yeah, so Secret Passage is really good because that lets you line up some ridiculous plays. Yeah, he, uh, I would say Seamus is pretty uh, new player friendly. Okay. Because um, he can play kind of that, that peekaboo big game. He doesn't and then take just shoot really you with that, a big fifty cal. Yeah, he doesn't need that much of a setup, and he can just go and do what his crew, mm-hmm. or he can do whatever he wants to do, and then his crew can do it. He does get benefits from his crew, but he doesn't necessarily need to be there. Okay. So Seamus is going around shooting and and scheming and killing. So what is the rest of his crew doing while he's running around doing crazy things? Uh, the Dead Dandies, their new models, are solving mysteries. They are... <laughs> okay. Their, their tactical action, their bonus action is proper murder mystery. Um, they're doing a lot of the scheming. Uh, you know, okay. you're going to be killing stuff. Uh, they can turn a scheme marker into a corpse or a corpse into a scheme. Um, and it's also not friendly. So they can turn your enemy ski markers into corpse markers, uh, which can also ultimately help Seamus because he can use them to shoot his gun a second time. Betty Noor, she's kind of um, back and forth. She has She's a pretty cool model. I like her. Uh, she can bury herself and then unbury next to corpses. So she's another model in this crew that can just bounce around all the table. All over the table. Yeah, I was going to say, that kind of goes with the dead dandy pretty well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if we're being correct there. I mean, it may be Bets Noir that might be the correct uh, pronunciation of that. But um, I, I, I will always call her Betty just because the first game that I ever played against her, uh, I was playing against the local. Mm-hmm. And every time he would call her Betty and I would just go, whoa. And he just starts cracking up laughing. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, her last name's Noir. She is Black Betty. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that's the... the she, they frenched it up, right? They tried to make it sound fancy, but yeah, it is Black Betty. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, his totem actually looks kind of kind of cute, too. I mean, it's copycat killer. Uh, terrifying in this crew, which is a little... I mean, I guess they're they're deteriorating and kind of very gross and stuff. So maybe that's what's so terrifying about him. But what's his totem doing? Is that like a mini Seamus? Uh, It is. It is literally mini Seamus. He even has the half pint flintlock to Seamus's uh, 50 cal flintlock. Nice. And 234 is nothing to sneeze at, though. No. Um, he's mainly using for uh, his bonus tactical action. Uh, he drops a confusion marker in base mm-hmm. contact with him and then swaps places with Seamus. So you can use that a couple of ways. You can use it to either 
set up Seamus, or you you could even use that to save him, right? Yeah, you can if you accidentally overextend Seamus, or you uh, miss your second uh, secret passage to get him out of dodge. You can use it to pull him back or place him wherever you want. I think yeah, it's a little ridiculous <laughs> with no range, but you know. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. And there's not a there's not a TN on that either, so it just happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's strong, but I mean, you're kind of if you could possibly be putting the copycat killer in a bad situation, so you might only get like one use out of it. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, if it's a matter of losing Seamus or losing Copycat Killer, I would much rather lose the Copycat Killer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And last model I want to talk about, uh, Brandon, is there's this this handsome lady, and her name is Madam Sybil. Now, what what is she doing? She's she's really stretching that outfit she's wearing, but what does she do? <laughs> uh, um, uh, she gets a... She puts a paper bag over her head. Um, I, I guess. <laughs> like, oh, God. She's probably the most controversial model in the crew. Some people love her. Some people hate her. She does have a, a min three damage, but her damage track is three, three, four. Um, mm. I guess crit strike, so she could get up to four. She is a henchman, so possibly up to five. She's terrifying, just like the other non-minions. Uh, I haven't really got too much use out of her. I mean, 10 stones for 5 defense model with hard to wound terrifying is good. Yeah. But I generally leave her at home. Uh, I mean, she's got, I've got your back. That's a handy defensive ability. But I don't know. For 10 stones, I don't, I'm trying to see if there's anything crazy on here that make, because I think once you get to 10 stones and Brandon, you can probably back this up a little bit more after I, I say it, but 10 stones, I feel like you need to, there's something very specific you need to be doing. That model needs to do that thing very well. Like when you spend that many stones on it. Yes, definitely. And I'm already bringing another 10 stone model in the uh, emissary and that's yeah. eaten up a lot of stones. Yeah. And I just think like, 10 stones, it needs to be better than a tech piece. Like your tech pieces, I don't think your tech piece can be 10 stones. You need to be doing a very specific good thing with those 10 stones to ver- almost to just validate spending that much on that model. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, that's just my two cents. I see what you're saying. Definitely, I think if you're spending 10 stones, you want 10 stones. You want to see points put up by a 10 stone model. Yeah, basically, if you're spending 10 stones, that model needs to get you victory points. And a lot of the stuff I'm seeing with her, it it might help you out. But I don't know if it equates into actually like doing like getting points for winning the game. Like I said, bleeding bleeder lasher is okay, But I mean, she's only movement five with a well, she has two inch reach. So I guess that's not terrible. She has two inch reach. But I mean, it might be a play style thing. It is. Um, usually in her, she plays a beater role, but I have Seamus who is doing the beating for me as well. And I I would rather have more mobility to be able to move other models around or yeah, be able she to has, get other places. She has a pseudo lure too, so I mean, that's not terrible, I guess. Yeah, but you're, <laughs> the Rotten Bells are a six-point model 
that have a stat six lore. Oh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the rotten belt. Yeah, they're only five points actually. Yeah, so you're. Oh yeah, they, yeah, they're a five. The doxies are six. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because they're half the points, and they do one of the things that you would probably bring Sybil for. So. I can see yeah. why somebody might like her, but I also see why people are like, well, why don't I just bring this instead? Because you're already doing damage, and if you really want the lure, you can bring a model that's literally 50% cheaper. Okay. Well, cool. Anything else about the Red Chapel before we get on to our last master? I will say the Red Chapel is very good against uh, crews that like to get in and... Ch- have a lot of charge actions because almost all of them have disguised as well yeah which means you're not getting an attack yeah they're all terrifying or disguised so that once again like i said it plays more to a good beginner friendly crew because if you accidentally put your model into charge range they don't get that attack still so yeah it sounds like that they're also just really good against some of those alpha strike uh lists that are really melee focused so that's something to think about as well. For sure. All right. Well, the last one we have is we have the Ten Thunders crossover with Yan Lo and the Ancestor Retainer. So what in the hell is this skinny Ten Thunder guy doing there, Brandon? He is beefing himself up. He starts as this low model or low stat. Looks like very very bad model yeah that goes up really quickly because each turn he puts on a upgrade that gives him some kind of ability some give him uh incorporeal regeneration and also for each one of those upgrades he has on him his stats go up by one so he slowly becomes a jack of all trade just yeah because his stats starting off just suck (laughs) Yeah, I think okay. four defense, four move. I don't have the card right in front of me. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's three defense, four willpower, four move. He's only size two. Yeah, and his attacks are stat four. But once you start getting those upgrades onto him, that defense then on turn three becomes a six, willpower seven, stat seven uh, so, on his attacks. So is he the upgrade master for the Rezzer slash 10 Thunder faction? Is that kind of what's going on there? Yes, he definitely is the upgrade because, uh, well, I guess him and Jack Dahl kind of both are the upgrade masters in a well, sense. Well, Jack Dahl puts <laughs> upgrades on other people, but yeah. <laughs> All of his um, enforcers and uh, henchmen have a demise reliquary that give, uh, that put out there an upgrade unique to them onto okay. other models. Uh, for example, the Yin model, mm-hmm. uh, she has uh, Terrifying and Constriction. When she okay. dies, she throws out an upgrade that has Terrifying and Constriction that gives the okay. new model. So say you have an Ashigoro next to him, that Ashigoro now gets that Reliquary, and then Yan Lo can turn, take one of his abilities, turn a model that has a Reliquary back into the enforcer or henchman of that reliquary name. Hmm. So I'm kind of seeing what he's doing here. He's doing all this kind of manipulating of these upgrades. And when stuff dies, he can move it around and he can pop this up. But 
How how good is that actually on the table? Like it sounds cute, but I mean, how much effect are you actually getting out of that? Uh, pretty good. Um, I haven't played them yet in since the Errata. I played them a lot more when I was big into the Ten Thunders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of his other models also allows you to make the upgrade or put the upgrade onto a model while that model is still alive. Okay. Uh, Chiaki can basically say, throw a Manos's reliquary onto another model. Yeah, that would seem like a key piece when you're playing this crew for sure. Yeah, and some of the upgrades are pretty good. One of his models that I used to like to do, uh, the Kamino, which mm-hmm. have armor two. And then I would take and give them the uh, Izamu upgrade, which puts them into armor three ruthless models. Which is seems pretty good. <laughs> pretty fun. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this from... And it sounds like there's a lot of wheeling and dealing, and this does not seem like a new newer player-friendly faction to me for a couple of reasons. One would be just the manipulating of those upgrades and kind of like triggering it. And then the other one is it, it's dual faction. So you it looks like you would have to buy his core box, but then also some... Uh, Rezzer stuff, and then also some Ten Thunderer stuff. Yeah, I think his... uh, It's not as bad as it sounds. His box is split into... It's only three boxes. The bad thing is is he himself is getting a resculpt and has brand new models new to this season. So his box Uh is not out, and then you have one Rezzer and one Ten Thunder box. So it's only three three boxes to get his whole keyword, which... Isn't that bad considering some of the other ones? Yeah, it's only in three boxes, but it sounds like if I'm a new player wanting to get in Dion Low, I, you might want to wait until that new box comes out. Yeah, you're definitely going to need to wait because his old box is almost near impossible to find. That and the okay. new model, Gokudo, they, they're great models. They remind me of like an Assassin Creed type model, or they look like they're from the Assassin Creed's games. So, oh yeah, they are great for looking sure. model. Yeah, I'm not big into the Ten Thunder aesthetics, but I will say out of the models in that uh, in that faction, I, I would say I think I like his probably the best out of all the other masters in that faction. So, I mean, he definitely looks cool. I definitely aesthetically I would be interested, but could be challenging to play off the get. Yeah, he definitely is also more challenging trying to play that waiting game be waiting to get him powered up. Uh, if you yeah. make the wrong mistake, he can go down pretty quickly. Activation order is pretty key with his crew. I will say one of the models I do have experience with in his crew is Sun Quang. I think that's how you pronounce his name. That dude is pretty good. That model, if I was a 10 Thunder player, or if I played this keyword for Rezzers, I think you bring that Sun Quang model pretty much every game just from the just for the heals and just the abilities that he brings with healing energy and yin and yang's pretty good. He has bedside manner, which we already talked about. So I'm a fan of that model if I was playing it, and I hate that model when I see it on the board. There, there's been plenty of times where I just wanted to throw that model. He's a defense seven as well. Willpower yeah. six. So I'm saying this old um, man somehow is defense <laughs> seven. Yeah. And also his bedside manner is even better because it comes with um, King of Medicine, 
whenever a friendly model is placed within three, it heals one. Yeah, and let me guess, is the ancestor retainer keyword, do they do a lot of placing? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, um, well, him himself with Bedside Manor. Yeah. The Bedside Manor is a place, so not only do you bring him out of danger, but you also oh, heal yeah. one. You're, you're right, man. Um, but then there's also a kind of a resource intensive, but immortal Ashigoro trick. Uh, they mm-hmm. have take the hit, which is uh, if a model within two inches of them is targeted by an attack, you can discard a card, place them in base contact with the targeted model, and they become the model. But what makes it good is they have also hard to kill. So if they're above two, they only go to one. So <laughs> they attack something, Ashigoro's at one, he takes the hit, places him three inches of Sun Quang, heals up to two, the attack goes through, takes him down to one, rinse, repeat. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it's an interesting keyword. Uh, like I said, I'm not big on the 10 Thunders aesthetics, but if I was going to get anything out of that faction, I would definitely do this keyword because it kind of, you get this cool undead samurai kind of feel to it. So that, that, that's pretty cool. I could get behind that. All right. Well, Brandon, we got all the keywords now, if I'm not mistaken. I think we got them all. And looking at them, we talked about it briefly, but in your opinion, which of the crews, like if you were, if somebody said, hey, I want to do resers, I really like the models, which crew would you say, okay, this is a great starter for a new player? Like I said, Seamus is definitely one of those go-to. And as we were talking about, and you talked about in your last podcast, almost his entire keyword is out. I think there's only one model that is not released, and it's one of those models that you don't really take much anyway. Okay. And then the other one would be, I would say McMorning. He's pretty straightforward. Uh, The problem with him is, once again, he's also getting a re-sculpt, and his box is not out yet. You can get the nurses, you can get all the other stuff, but you can't get his core box. Okay, and what? So they're just a straightforward kind of path to victory. Uh, they're flexible. We talked about how they're maneuverable. Models are relatively cheap to kind of get into. Uh, so I, I'd agree that I think Seamus is pretty much. I, I would, if I was new player starting Resers, I would start with Seamus just because I think he gives you enough. And it seems like he also has a good ceiling meaning like there's a lot of growth you could do into that right like you could really you can see him in a tournament it's not like he's new and then you're not going to see him at the higher tables he could easily play in those higher level games yeah and you you hit on hinted on it but he is a very good master to grow with as a player because you can start off as that little uh some of the other people have referred to it as the peekaboo Seamus where he pops yeah. out, shoots something. Um, but then he, he does get a lot more in-depth with using his uh, models to give him bonuses to his attack. I mean, he has an execute. He gives out injured. So his gun isn't the only thing for him once you figure out and start learning how to play him. And looking at Rezzers as a faction, how would you say competitively... And obviously, we don't have a lot of gaining ground one uh, stats yet because, I mean, obviously, it's just not happening. But how do you think that they are going to stack tournament-wise once that potentially starts happening again 
sometime, hopefully in the near future. I still think you're going to see them quite a bit. Uh, I still believe they're powerful. I said earlier, Von Stuck, I believe, is one of the I'd, – I'd give him top five masters of the game up yeah. there with Von Stuck and uh, Sommer. He's definitely one of the best masters in the game. Um, and Molly, even their weakest masters – Reva, we were talking about, is the weakest master. But I've seen people winning games with her as well. Yeah, there's a lot for play style in this game and, and – just getting reps with a crew, even if it is what you would consider one of the weaker crews, that doesn't mean they can't still do something very well. It just means that there might be a master that does the same thing, maybe a little bit better, but that doesn't mean you still can't win with them by all means. Uh, is there, when you're in a tournament playing Rezzers, is there a faction or a master that you're like, man, I really hope I don't see this into my Rezzers? Honestly, it's going to be one that is not played as much and that is guild just because i've had bad play experiences i accidentally took molly into lady justice and she has so many undead tricks she has a couple models that just say uh undead only discard a card or it's dead she's just like fuck your undead models yeah and then you have the judge that when they activate they deal damage to anything with a summon upgrade or anything that's buried. Okay, so guild is a hard counter to a lot of the stuff you got going on there. Which is, I mean, like you said, is good because I think that for whatever reason, guild just isn't seeing a lot of, of gameplay. And I don't know the reason for that yet because, like I said, I'm, I'm slowly exploring all the other factions now. But I know from just listening to the metas just from different areas that guild is one of the lesser played factions. So yeah, I'm hoping to see some more guild players popping up. Uh, Dashiell I think is amazing now. So I think they got some play. Hopefully we'll start seeing some more. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of Dashiell love for sure. So I, I think that might lures. I, we got a local in our group that he's playing guild and he's got Hoffman and he's got some of the other stuff going on in Perdita. So I've played against it. It's not bad. It's just, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I understand that there's some power in the other factions, but I think that, I think people just need to put table time into guild and, and I think we'll start seeing them a little more and more. All right. Well, anything else you want to say for the resers, Brandon, before we head on up out of here? Not really. Not much. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think really you didn't. Now I have to commend you, Brandon, because correct me if I'm wrong. But I think you got most of your models painted in the faction. I have the... So, minus Jack Dahl, minus um, Jan Lowe, I have the entire faction painted. Uh, and the I only have, reason, have to commend you. <laughs> uh, the only reason why Jack Dahl and Jan Lowe are not painted is because I just don't have those models. Yeah. When I was playing them, I was borrowing them. Okay. Yeah, quarantine does does wonders when you have nothing to do. Oh yeah, I got a lot of Bayou I've started painting. I'm currently working on some war pigs and stuff, so th those are really fun to paint. Yeah, and th this is a really fun faction to paint. I never really painted too much actual undead models before these, mm -hmm. but there's so much you can do with them. You can do so many different skin tones. 
Um, well, I, I was going to say that since you brought it up, Brandon, that if you haven't painted undead stuff before, there's a lot of really cool palettes that you can use with that. Um, there's, if you want to go the green side, you can do a lot of greens, you can do purples and blues, you can do some pinks and stuff too. So it's a really cool palette to paint with. Yeah. Uh, one of my, uh, friends had a, uh, a good point when they were, when he was painting them is, you know, they're undead monsters. If they look crazy, they're going to look good. Yeah. So you can yeah, really experiment with them. Yeah, and that's as a as somebody that loves painting models, this is a faction that you can really get crazy with because it's easy to go kind of like very plain and bland. But this is actually a lot of the models that you can go really bright with colors, and you can put a lot of really kind of crazy combos and uh, different uh, just different color theories. It's it's a really interesting way to paint. I. I did that with, I painted a lot of vampire counts. I've painted cricks before. So it's a lot of fun to paint that type of style. Yeah. And then you have, you also have models like uh, the rogue necromancy was probably my favorite model to paint. Yeah. You have like the body of a lion, but then you have like a skeleton head of a ram, a head of a raven. You have a pig's leg on there. You have some kind of a bird leg. And then some form of weird scorpion tail coming up. And then you have raven uh, wings coming out. And there's just so many different skin tones and different colors on this one model that it was just a blast to paint. Yeah, especially when you look at the transmortis models and you see a lot of the uh, like stitching different body parts together. And you could make one skin tone look totally different from the other. So... Uh, yeah, just really, really cool faction. If you, if you like that kind of paint style, I think I saw somebody, I don't know if you saw this, Brandon, they painted, uh, I believe it was just their zombies up, but they painted them and they put, um, they made it look like there was water around the half, like bottom half of the zombies. So it actually looked like that they were walking in water. So, it, and you oh, could see the underwater part because it was just uh, clear. So it, it was really cool to see. Oh yeah. Where the half the zombie at first I thought you were talking about, I made a, a swamp style base for my models. Yeah. You can really uh, put a lot of weird basings, but I know exactly which one you're talking about. And that one was really, really good. Well, yeah, really put crazy. together model. Yeah, if you're like if you're a really really good painter, I think this is a faction you can do some really amazing things with. Uh, this faction and Ten Thunderers, which we'll speak about some other time. Uh, Ten Thunderers, if you are really good at freehand, some of those kimonos, I've seen some beautiful kimono work with Ten Thunderers. I wish I was better at freehand because my Ten yeah, Thunderers yeah, look so much better. <laughs> yeah, because that if I would say if you are like a freehand wizard. Do some Ten Thunders work with some of the kimonos and stuff, and it, it, you do some amazing things. It, um, it's beautiful. Some the Yoku crew would be the best for that one. Yes, I agree. I have seen some beautiful Yoku models and crews. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Those of you that are fans of the show, make sure that you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel, Facebook group, Twitter page. Uh, put out a lot of content, a lot of Malifaux content coming out because... Uh, just really getting into it. It's just really great game. And I think a lot of people want to hear more stuff about it. 
if you are if you want to support the show, you can sign up for our Patreon uh, for Rage Quit Wire, and you can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month. So any kind of support you guys would want to throw our way, we definitely appreciate it uh, to help keep the lights on. But Brandon, thanks again for coming on, man. It was great talking with you. Yeah, it's always great having a conversation with you, man. All right. Well, until then, make sure that you guys flip cards, flip tables, and we will see you all next time. Bye.